Join me in reading God's Word. We'll be reading from 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 22. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me to go to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he is strongly opposed to our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Oniphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come to me before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. The reading of God's word. Thank you, Dan. Please be seated. <clears throat> Today we're going to talk as we end up uh, 2 Timothy with the theme of finishing well. I think if we see anything about Paul's life is that he was steadfast in his faith and he finished well. I want to begin by introducing you to Aunt Becky, uh, Jolene's great aunt. Her name was Becky Beck. She grew up in a family of eight in a German farm in Iowa many years ago. She was diagnosed early on as a, as a young person of a de- disease that didn't give her the expectation of living a long life. So she took off, went to St. Joe, Missouri, got an education in business, and worked for a business there for many years. She was a faithful follower of Christ, full of joy. She served her church and taught youth and children for over 50 years. After she retired from her business, she moved into a retirement home where she visited the sick and elderly on a regular basis. A number of years ago, uh, we went back to celebrate with her her 100th birthday. One one of the sayings I'll never forget that uh, she kind of ingrained in my life was this simple truth. Because as you know me, I'm pedal the metal all the time. Go, 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 go. Uh, Anyway, she said, uh, man is always in a hurry and seldom right. God is never in a hurry and always right. So there's a a bit of wisdom for you today. But uh, we were able to go back and celebrate her 100th birthday with her. And many of the care uh, workers and caregivers there just told us what a blessing she was to the many there. You know, as I tell Becky's story, I'm guessing some of you can think of people that you know, people that have crossed the path of your life, uh, and people that maybe are part of your family, or maybe they were a mentor to you, or a friend, or maybe they're a coach, or a youth worker, or a minister that uh, demonstrated these same things in their lives. They were faithful, full of joy, careful always to make Christ known. I I don't know about you, but as I hear stories like this, it spurs me on. It, it encourages my heart to want to finish well. 
So today, uh, we're just privileged to look at some of the, the last statements Paul makes uh, in his journey, and, and he undoubtedly finished his life well. So I want you to join me in the text today, and we're going to look at three huge things in Paul's life that really enabled him to live well and finish well. The first one uh, really is about the priority of the gospel in Paul's life. So let's begin in, in chapter 4, uh, verses 9 and 10. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia and Titus to, to Dalmatia. Understand it. <clears throat> let me just quickly, in a paragraph or so, paint kind of the picture for Paul. He was awaiting death. He was imprisoned. He'd been through the first trial uh, or the first hearing, I guess you might say, where uh, things hadn't gone really well. Uh, he was anxious to see Timothy, uh, his son in the faith. Uh, he was as well directing a ministry, even though while he was in prison, we'll see that he sent out people to various places and was seeking always to advance the gospel. So in spite of his imprisonment, in spite of the difficulties in front of him, he uh, was carrying on living well, and he would, as we know, finish well. Demas, on the other hand, is an example of not finishing well. Demas, we know, was with Paul. He was a faithful worker for part of his life uh, in Colossians, the letter to Colossae, and also the letter to the Philippians. Demas is included in the greetings uh, at the end as one who was faithful in Christ, but something happened. We don't know. There, there are two things going on in the ancient Roman world that probably either one or both led to his uh, desertion of Paul. One could have been just the simple fact that uh, the call of the world, the, the life of ease and pleasure spoke to him and, and he just drifted away from his faith. That's a very real thing. It can happen uh, to, to us today. You maybe know believers who've, who've kind of drifted away from the faith, maybe uh, you know, for a season just because they were enamored with the world. That could have happened with Demas. More likely, though, is probably the fact that he was uh, fearful of being aligned with Paul at this time because Paul was facing death. He was a bold, outspoken uh, apostle and, and proclaimer of Christ. And uh, it landed him in prison because uh, he was seen as a, as a troublemaker in the ancient world. So Demas maybe just separated himself from Paul for that reason. He didn't want to be persecuted. He didn't want to face death like Paul did. We don't know that Demas left the faith. There's no evidence of that in the scripture. We just know that he deserted Paul at a time when Paul really needed him. What's embodied here are two things. Paul was faithful to finish well. Demas was not. But at the core, at the center of, of what was going on here is the cross of Christ. Uh, I don't know about you, but if you look around our world, it's okay to believe in God. There are a lot of gods out there. Uh, there are a lot of people that talk about God, pray to God. But when you raise or mention the name of Jesus, everything changes. Because Jesus and the cross of Christ is... Uh, uh, it's despised by our world. Jesus said what? He, he is an offense to the world. People hated him and they, they will hate us. And, and why is that true? It's because central to the cross is the reality that we're all sinners. Uh, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. You may not want to accept that fact, but that's what the word says. Uh, and it outlines uh, many, many ways that we sin and fail God. And Jesus is the only provision from God. He said of himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the gospel at its heart. 
And so Paul uh, was being persecuted because he preached that message. If we in this life do what we're called to do and stand with that same kind of steadfastness and that passion and the desire to proclaim Jesus, we may face persecution as well. Our world hates Jesus. Our world hates the gospel. And so uh, if you're going to be moving forward with passion in this area, uh, you may want to prepare yourself uh, to face that. But what we have before us are these two examples, Demas falling away uh, from his steadfastness as a faithful follower of Christ, Paul, who uh, was steadfast and faithful to the end. Not all of uh, Paul's followers and friends, fellow workers, did that. Some were faithful. Paul mentions a couple of them uh, in this same passage. He speaks of Cretans who had gone on to Galatia and Titus told to Dalmatia. What we see here is Paul uh, sending out workers into the world then to to help share the gospel, to support other workers in the gospel. And so he sent them out to to be a part of the ongoing uh, advancement of God's kingdom in the world. And these men were faithful to do that. But understand, Paul was sending away those people that were around him and supported him and were, uh, in a sense, a comfort to him. You know, we all need support in our faith. And Paul was sending them away because he was so passionate about the gospel and uh, making it known. Uh, Notice as well, it says in verse 11, Paul alone is with me. By this time, only uh, Luke was with him. Luke alone was with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, he writes to Timothy, for he is very useful to me in this ministry. Luke was a physician. We know that he joined Paul at Troas and made his second and third missionary journeys alongside of Paul. He probably cared for Paul. We know Paul got beat up some. He was whipped, I think, five times. Uh, he was, you know, many things happened to him, shipwrecked. He, he had illness. Uh, and so, I'm sure Luke was there to minister to him, to help him, to support him. And he was there in prison in Rome with him. We know that he joined, <clears throat> and this is just an aside, it's kind of a fun thing to see in the Scripture. If you're a student of Scripture, turn in your Bibles, if you would, for a moment to Acts 16, verses 8 through 10. This is the little account where Paul is being called by the man from Macedonia to, to come to Macedonia. The Spirit had kept them from going to uh, Bithynia. And so uh, Luke is writing in the third person until Paul gets to Troas, and we read that in verse 8. He says, so passing by Messiah, they, third person, went down to Troas. Then skipping a verse, we read verse 10. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel. So this is, this is just a little thing in the scripture that shows us when Luke joined Paul, just by the change in the pronouns there. So uh, anyway, just, just an aside, kind of a fun thing. Paul was with him, or uh, Luke was with Paul. He also asked and, and was desirous of Timothy bringing to him Mark. I, I don't know if you remember much of the accounts of Paul's first missionary journey, but Uh, When Paul went out, he and Barnabas went out for the first missionary journey. They took along a young man named John Mark. He made it part of the way through that mission, and then for some reason he defected. We don't know all of the ins and outs, but what's really cool here, what I really want you to see here is that Paul is asking that John Mark come back. 
Mark, we know, uh, uh, became a faithful laborer in the gospel. Here was a guy, and this is a real encouragement to me. Here's a guy who failed at ministry, who turned his back on proclaiming, but yet somehow God drew him back, maybe through the encouragement of Barnabas, because Barnabas took Mark down to Cyprus to preach the gospel while Paul and Silas went on to the second and third missionary journeys. And here he is at the end of Paul's life, inviting Mark to come back. They'd had some kind of contact before this because he called him a faithful and helpful minister. So isn't that exciting that, that, that in the midst of uh, someone's failure, God restored him, brought him back into the work, and, and, and God uh, used him in mighty ways. You may know this about Mark. Mark also served a long time alongside Peter. And the gospel of Mark probably really is Peter's gospel, as Mark uh, probably learned it from Peter as he served alongside him and then wrote out the gospel from Peter's perspective. So anyway, for whatever all that means, uh, you've got it. The point of all this is just the excitement of seeing, seeing people in different stages of their life and God continuing to use them. And through the gospel, using them to uh, just transform lives and to be faithful representatives of him. In verses 12 and 13, we read these words. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. He's the one that carried the letter. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Tychicus was another faithful disciple, uh, was with Paul, was sent out to take this letter and probably fill in for Timothy in Ephesus so Timothy could come and be with Paul. What's important here in the first point of this message about the priority of the gospel is what did Paul want brought back? His scrolls, his books, which is translated for scrolls and his parchments. He wanted his copies of the Old Testament. He probably wanted his copies of the epistles that he wrote. He wanted God's word. He wanted to continue to to find his solace, his strength, his courage, his hope, his life in the gospel. And that's what empowered him to do the things we see him doing, sending, sending his, his friends out to other ministries, even though he would like to have them stay with him because he's facing death. And, and uh, just he wanted to advance the gospel even at this time. It's a priority for us. And the gospel was, was just was setting Paul on fire and continued that, that burning in his heart and soul. You know, the power of the gospel is what motivates us. And and I'm here to tell you this. Paul was not a moralist. Paul didn't get the Old Testament law and and try to live life according to it. He lived life with Christ within. He, He wrote these words, I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. That's the fruition of the gospel. In us, making itself known through us, through faithfulness, joy, hope, peace, all of the things that are ours in Christ. Grow, grow in the gospel. We're reading a a book on the first chapter of Ephesians with a couple in our church. It is 454 pages on the first chapter of Ephesians. That's a lot of gospel. But trust me, it's it's, it's a book written at a depth and with, with such care and desire to expound the truth of God. It is overwhelming. If you'd like to know more about it, grab me after church. But, but anyway, just, just to immerse yourself in the gospel, that's what transformed Paul. It's what 
brought Paul to this place where he understood the power of the gospel and he was willing to lay down his life for it, as we'll see. Gandhi said this, and, and these are powerful words. He spoke, spoke forcefully to Christians when he said, you Christians have in your keeping a document, speaking of the Bible, with enough dynamite in it to blow the whole of civilization to bits, to turn society upside down, and to bring peace to this war-torn world. But then he goes on in stark reality to confront us with maybe how lightly and how loosely we take God's word. He says, but you read it as if it were just good literature and nothing else. The Bible is the gospel of God for the salvation of all who believe. And it is our message. It is our very life. Paul knew that. He prioritized the gospel. He wanted his scrolls and his parchments so that he could immerse himself in God's word as he awaited death. He, he continued to want to grow in the gospel. He made it a priority. He lived well by continuing to grow in the gospel. He lived well so he finished well. Second point I want to talk with you about is, is how he handled op opposition and people who uh, turned against him. Join me in verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. We don't know a lot about Alexander, but we know he's mentioned in 1 Timothy 1.20. And there it talks of him and another guy by the name of Hymenaeus, <clears throat> whom uh, Paul prayed would be handed over to Satan because they blasphemed God. Now, if this is the same Alexander, he was decrying and denying the truth and the reality of Christ and of God and of the gospel. And uh, he did great harm to Paul. The idea behind that concept is that he probably testified against Paul at these public hearings and brought accusations against him. Back in that day in Rome, much like in our day, People would do bad things for money or for fame. We see it going all the time in our world, and it was happening back there. So probably for money or some favor, Alexander did that. What, what I love is Paul's response to that. He says this, so it's so powerful, and, and it's, it's at the heart of what I want to share with you. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Paul didn't become wrathful or vengeful toward him. He, he didn't start scheming and striving and figuring out ways he could get back at Alexander. Uh, that's what I would have done. Uh, I would have figured out a way to get the guy. You know, I'd have got a team of guys and we'd have gone and got him. You know, whatever. But, but you know, that's what we do in the flesh. And, and what, Paul, what enabled and empowered Paul to live in the place that he lived, to finish well, to live well and finish well, is that he forgave this guy. He put him in God's hands. We see the same pattern in the, in the next verse. Verse 16, he says, At my first defense, no one, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. I mean, this is incredible. Paul is there. He's facing death. He's being falsely accused. And there are believers in Rome, and not one of them came even to sit and be with him. They all deserted him. And again, that's people. We're fearful, just like Demas. We're fearful of being implicated. Uh, you know, other things take our time and attention. And so they didn't step up. They didn't come to 
support him or encourage me, encourage him in any way. What I love about Paul is he did what Jesus did when he was hanging on the cross. He said what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Paul's words are here, may it not be charged against them. <clears throat> he understood their fear. He understood their, just where they were at. And, and all he wanted was to God, for God not to hold it against them, to forgive them. And the point here is, is that Paul practiced on, on a regular and deep basis forgiving others. People wronged him. People uh, you know, uh, left him. People deserted him. People forsaked him. And what did he do? He, for, he forgave them. That's the power of the gospel working in us and through us. Our problem, is, is, as I've already identified, is it's hard for us to give our hurts and struggles and, and the things that people do to us over to the Lord. It's hard to forgive, especially when you want to get even. But Paul learned the power of the gospel. That's why Jesus came, to die for our sin. My sin, your sin, all of our sin so that we can forgive. You know, the parable of the unmerciful servant talks about if I've been forgiven millions of things, I, I better be quick to forgive a few things when I'm sinned against. And, and that's, that empowered him to, to live free of bitterness and resentment and, and, and all the angst that goes with that. You know, this is, I believe, a very big deal with God. He teaches us in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, these great truths. <clears throat> for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now let me explain something here. I've got to do this in first service, so uh, God forgive me for that. But uh, Paul isn't talking about your relationship with God. He's talking about your fellowship with God. Uh, we, <clears throat> after we come to faith in Christ, we are forever God's child. We may sin. If we do that, if we walk in our sin, if we harbor sin in our lives, if, if we don't forsake our sin, we break fellowship with God. To not forgive is to break fellowship with God. So understand, this isn't about their salvation. It's about their fellowship and obedience to God. But the point I want to make here is this. Paul forgave. Paul uh, let God take this on. Uh, Later in, in Mark eleven twenty five, Jesus said these words, and, and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who also is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. The reason I say this is a big deal is because I've never seen anywhere else in Scripture where the, the word says, if you don't love, God won't love you back. If you don't show people kindness, God won't show you kindness. But this one sin to not forgive, to harbor bitterness, resentment, and anger, hostility toward others. God says, let it go. It's covered. It's under the blood. Don't live with that. And this is for our good. Forgiveness is for us. So we don't live with that stuff. Paul practiced, practiced that, and, and it freed him to be effective and to pour out the gospel to others. Ronald Reagan, some of you won't remember this, uh, his attitude after he was shot in 1982 by John Hinckley uh, really impacted the life of his daughter, Patty Davis. She wrote about it in the book she wrote about him. She writes this, the following day after her father had been shot, he said he knew his physical healing was directly dependent on his ability to forgive John Hinckley. By showing me that forgiveness is the key to everything, including physical health, and healing. 
He gave me an example of Christ-like thinking. Just a, just a simple example of the power of forgiveness. Don't harbor all of the stuff that comes along with bitterness and resentment. It's not worth it, and it doesn't honor God. And it breaks the power of His work in your life, the power to lead you and guide you. So, stop it. <laughs> the third thing is to proclaim the gospel. I love what I love how this passage ends. In verse fourteen seventeen, Paul writes this. I'm sorry, four seventeen. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. You know, when all the people left him, when they didn't come to support him, what did Paul say? He said, the Lord stood by me. The Lord was with him. And it says as well, the Lord strengthened him. The word here is endynamo. We all know what dynamo is. The idea of, of unleashed power. The way it's written here in the Greek is that power God gave to Paul within. It's an inner power, inner strength to live the life. And though people deserted him, Paul continued on his mission. He understood that the empowering and the presence of God was about a big deal. And that big deal was to make Jesus known. Listen and look at the words. He said, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The idea here is that, that, that the work of God within Paul empowered him, stood with him, uh, strengthened him so that he could proclaim Christ. These are incredible promises. The great promise that he'll be with us follows the great commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I command you. And what? Surely I will be with you always. He will be with us. He... he and he surrounds us in his power and authority to go be his witnesses. And I'm sorry if I bring this up every time I'm up here, but every time I come up here, I'm going to bring it up again. Because this is a big deal to God. God, God wants his gospel proclaimed. God, God wants people to come to himself. That's why we're here still. Paul understood that, and, and he coupled the power and presence of God with the mission that he's on. I, I, I love the three key points we have kind of in our, our, our passionate mission statement to make sure we know Jesus, to make sure we're growing in the gospel like Paul, and then to go tell others about it. There, there is no news. Any human being on this planet needs more than to hear about Jesus. So let's go tell them. That was Paul's passion, his heart. We may face opposition. We may face struggle. We, we may face all kinds of bad stuff, but I love what he says in verse 18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Now that's God's promise. If we're faithful in these things, he will be with us and empower us to, to proclaim and, and, and to make the gospel known. And if something really bad happens, guess what? He's going to take us to be with him safely. <laughs> no detours, no hardship along the way. We're just going to go be with him. Go be with Jesus. Yeah, I preached this once. I, I sh shouldn't take time to tell the story, but I preached this in a message once, and we were preparing to take a missions trip to Jamaica, and I don't like to fly. I don't fly. I do anything but fly. I would walk rather than fly. So anyway, uh, anyway, I'm 
walking around the halls of the church and one of the ministry leaders was getting stuff ready to go and we took youth and we took some mission, uh, some medical people and they went and did the the uh, medical thing and we went to the schools and preached the gospel and I'm wringing my hands about having to get on an airplane especially Jamaican Airways I don't know if you know much about Jamaican Airways but anyway so and she she looks at me she says well pastor the worst thing that can happen is you can die and go be with Jesus Ooh. Don't say that to me. I want to whine and moan and cry. But, but the reality is that's the worst thing that can happen to us. He's promised it. He will safely take us there. How awesome is that? Paul, Paul was bold proclaiming the gospel because he was empowered by God. I, I want to challenge us, you know. Um, sometimes we're fearful to share because we feel inadequate. And maybe if we shared, we would feel the power of God and the presence of God. And we would feel emboldened. Just try it, you know, just throwing that out, just saying, yeah. Anyway, understand, this is a man who lived well and finished well. He prioritized the gospel. It was his life. And because of that, he finished well. He practiced forgiving people. Because he did that, he lived well and finished well. Here he proclaims the gospel day in and day out, and he's finishing well. Uh, just, just put this in your head for a moment. Paul is deserted and forsaken by his friends, and what does he do? Praise that God will forgive him. He's being tried and persecuted by his enemies, and what does he do? He preaches the gospel to them. That, that isn't natural. That is of the Spirit of God. A man who, yeah, a man who was full of that, full of the gospel. Well, this ends up with some thoughts about some others. Greet Presca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as does Prudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. <clears throat> Here's just a list of people that Paul knew. Uh, the, the first two, Presca and Aquila, were tent makers. He worked and served alongside them in Corinth, and, and they did ministry together. Uh, the other two that are mentioned, Trophimus and Erastus, were workers that had traveled with Paul to this place and that. Obviously, Trophimus became ill in the ministry and had to stay. Uh, the other four are probably individuals in Rome because he sends their greetings on to Ephesus. So we don't know any more about them than their names that are given here. And he ends this letter with these words, speaking first singularly to Timothy and then to the church at Ephesus. The Lord be with your spirit, speaking specifically to Timothy. Grace be with you all, uh, all the people at Ephesus. As far as we know, these are Paul's last written words, the last words that we have any record of. Uh, history and, and legend tells us that uh, he was convicted of his uh, sins, supposedly against Rome or his, his um, rabble-rousing in Rome by preaching the gospel. They took him outside of the city south and beheaded him. His body supposedly is in the catacombs. So as we wrap up here today, before we take communion, and I want us to just use that as an opportunity to remember these things too, but as we come to the table, I want us to think through some things This table is a table that represents the gospel. He died for us. His body, his broken body, his shed blood, that is the gospel. To be infused into us through the working of the Holy Spirit that we can proclaim that. We can testify. We can boldly give evidence of that 
through our lives. So as you come to the table today, just remember Paul, how, how he lived well and finished well because he believed and he lived and he embraced the gospel fully. It was God's word. It empowered him to live his life in that way. He practiced forgiveness. Uh, the Lord will repay Alexander. May it not be charged against those who deserted him. He didn't harbor anger, bitterness, and resentment. If you're out there today and, and you're harboring anger or bitterness against anybody, maybe you just had Thanksgiving with some family members you're not happy with or you're angry at, forgive them. Leave it with the Lord. Come to the table with a pure heart, a clean heart. Leave the bitterness, the resentment behind. Paul learned to practice forgiveness in ways that we need to learn. If we haven't learned that, I encourage you to learn that today. Proclaim the gospel. This is the gospel. Go tell somebody today you took communion. Jesus lives. Jesus died for your sin. You know, reaching people with the gospel can be as simple as just befriending them, finding out if they're open spiritually, maybe spending some time talking with them, maybe reading the scripture with them, whatever. Uh, just be faithful to share what you know about Jesus with others. You've heard it said, one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. That's what it is to proclaim the gospel. Paul was faithful to that. It was his passion and his life. So as you come today to remember Jesus, to give thanks for his broken body, shed blood, just, just at God somehow help me to, to make the gospel more of a priority in my life that I might live well and finish well. God, help me if there's anybody in my life I need to forgive or many I need to forgive. God, help me to be empowered by your spirit to forgive them, to, to put their sins under the shed blood of Jesus, to be freed from them that I might not hamper my relationship with you or with others. And God, empower me to tell others about Jesus. Father, just use, use this time today to change me, transform me, inform me of how you would have me live now that I might finish well.